entrepreneurship, it's kind of like catching lightning in a bottle. You know, there's a component of luck and then there's a component of effort. I'm Tamina and I'm extending a heartfelt invitation to you as we join forces in reclaiming economic power for women in a world that is often structured against us. We'll dive into the minds of accomplished female leaders, investors, and entrepreneurs to equip you with the confidence and knowledge to build wealth for yourself and other women. So buckle up, get ready to learn, and be inspired to take action. Welcome back, everyone. This week, I have the pleasure of having a conversation with another fantastic female founder. I'm talking about the one and only John V. Shaw. John V. is the co-founder and CEO at Hue, an e-commerce technology company on a mission to help all shoppers feel represented in their online shopping journey. Hue helps beauty and fashion brands and retailers showcase authentic video reviews on their website from a diverse community of over 2,000 real people across skin tones, skin types, body types, and more. She founded Hue while pursuing her MBA at Harvard Business School with two of her classmates, Nicole Clay and Sylvan Gould, and they went on to raise over $2 million in venture capital funding and, drumroll, were recognized as Forbes 30 Under 30, Inc. Female Founders 200, Entrepreneurista Career Pivot of the Year, and L Future of Beauty 2022. Before founding Hue, John B. Was previously, is, was previously a product manager at Google on Google Photos, overseeing the development of AI-powered social sharing features and growing the app to over 1 billion monthly active users. Janvi, it's such a pleasure to have you on. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Amazing. All right, Janvi, this podcast is all about helping women build wealth for themselves and other women. I always like to say, this has kind of become my, my thing, I like to say that a wealthy woman can walk out of almost every room she feels uncomfortable in and create opportunities for other women along the way. Because let's be real, Financial independence equals freedom. And I like to start out with the same question for all of my guests. Curious to hear from you, what does women supporting women mean to you and how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that question because women supporting women has really been just a huge theme in my life. I think when I hear that, I think of all the women who have supported me and also how I've tried to kind of pass that on um, to other people. And honestly, when I heard that, the first thing that came to mind for me was my mom, who was really my first role model growing up. She worked in biotech as a scientist. And so she was in a really male dominated industry as well. And so I got to see, you know, that role model of her being working full time, you know, being a mom. And that's kind of the first woman in my life who really supported me as I was growing up. And I think throughout my career, I've been super lucky to have been supported by many strong female mentors, whether it was at Google. I think there were, you know, many people, women in executive positions like VPs or directors who they probably don't even remember me. I was just a early, you know, employee in product management and they still had a huge impact on me just by showing me what it meant to really kind of own your perspective and have that like seat at the table and really like bring their voice in a corporate environment. And then in terms of like giving back for me, because I said, you know, women supporting women, that has 
that's the other side of it. It's getting that support and then giving back to others. That's been something that I've been really passionate about from even a pretty young age. I know we both went to Duke. I actually, while I was there, I was the program director for a program called FEMS, which is Females Excelling More in Math, Engineering, and Science. And so the whole premise of the program was helping to expose young girls to STEM roles, kind of like how my mom did for me when I was growing up. So I'm really just finding opportunities to kind of pass the baton and pass that along has been a huge theme um, for me personally in my life. And um, now, as I'm a startup founder, it has never been more important to me. I think having both that peer support from other female founders, I was lucky to meet a lot of other amazing women entrepreneurs in business school, and we have just continued to really stay in touch. You know, whenever we run into a sticky problem or it's really something, being a founder is something that it's hard to relate to unless you're going through that same journey. So just being able to pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm having this issue. Have you gone through this before? What are your thoughts? Or even more tactical things like, hey, making introductions to potential investors. Like we're all trying to help give each other that leg up. So yeah, I think all of those examples are what women supporting women has really meant to me in my career. Mm -hmm. I love hearing all of that. And it's such a diverse set of experiences, you know, starting uh, as a young girl, being being shaped by your mom being a very visible role model in that sense. That's always beautiful. I love it when when people talk about their female family members. We've had a few people share stories about their moms and their sisters. So that's always, always so wonderful to hear funny one of my best friends was part of supporting fems as well while she oh, was cool. she was at duke i That's know amazing. sammy siegel um oh yeah definitely definitely yep. yeah it was a great and amazing organization and i just think it's so cool that it's student-led and it's like every year there's a new class of women who really like spearhead the organization and i even see it now like they're still on instagram and i'm always cheering them on which is great Oh, love that so much. And, and, and even the, the, the way we met, unfortunately, we didn't have the opportunity to connect while we we're both uh, at Duke at the same time. But one of our mutual friends, Katya, shout out to yeah. Katya, introduced us a, a couple of weeks ago and was like, hey, you two should talk. You are very passionate about a lot of things and have a lot of things in common. So I, I, I just love that because opening doors for each other and and provi providing a stage for other women where they are able to showcase their incredible work is so, so important. So I'm very, very glad we're having the opportunity to chat about all of the amazing things that you've been up to over the past. Thank you. Years. Yeah. And I love that because I think even what Katya did, it's all about thinking about what are those opportunities to open that door, right? Like when you see that you have maybe someone from your network who's doing something new and maybe you know someone else who can help them. It's just taking that one extra step to yeah. say, hey, I'm going to help facilitate that connection. And it's doing that, you know, time and time again, that really, I think, makes a difference, even if it's in a small way. Absolutely. And then becomes second nature, because at first it is certainly a muscle that you have to train, right? But then once you've done that, over and over and over again, like it just becomes natural and people are truly so appreciative because also, let's be real. You never know. Meeting one new person could totally change the trajectory of your entire life, both personally and, and professionally. It could just be I could potentially introduce you to your your next investor tomorrow. You, you never know what's going to happen. Right. So and I think that's 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 the beauty of specifically the world of 
entrepreneurship and women coming together in support of one another. Yeah, I could just like talk about this all day long. Definitely. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit more about the company that you've built, Hugh. It was born out of a pain point that you and your co-founders as women of color have been experiencing for years, which is finding beauty products for your unique needs, right? So you decided to build something that would help solve for that pain point, which is, you know, very common for successful entrepreneurs. They identify a pain point, a challenge that they have personal experience in or somewhat emotionally invested in, right? And then they they try to to solve for that. I would absolutely love for you to share your founding story and how you've built the first platform that blends AI personalization technology and online community. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, so funny that you say kind of someone that you just meet could totally change the trajectory of your life. And that's how I feel about how I met my co-founders, Nicole and Sylvan. You know, it really, we'd like to say like, it feels like fate that we just like cross paths um, because we all met in our first year of business school at Harvard, actually back in 2020. So it was kind of a crazy time. It was like COVID. It was half virtual classes, half in person. And we all come from really different backgrounds. So I was at Google previously. So I was in tech. Nicole actually worked in the beauty industry. So she was at L'Oreal. She worked there for a number of years on marketing on some of the brands that you might know, like Longcomb and Kiehl's. And Sylvan had been in the startup space. So she was at Airbnb when it was really early days. She worked at another startup called Tubi. She did a stint in management consulting. And so professionally, we were like from completely different backgrounds. And then also from our like life experience, we were also from pretty different backgrounds. I mean, I'm Indian American, Nicole's Black, Sylvan's Chinese American, and we're all at you know, different points of the skin tone spectrum. We all grew up in different parts of the country, but we did all like share that one experience, which we soon learned that almost every beauty consumer we ever talked to has that same experience, which is that figuring out what would work best for your own skin tone and your skin type and your preferences while shopping, especially online, is just so difficult. So that's what we really kind of came together around that just really common core experience. And I think that's what just really motivates us today to the same degree because we had that really deep shared like mission and connection. And we really saw, we saw like a big opportunity because we had both those backgrounds in the beauty industry from Nicole's background and in the tech space from my background and Sylvan's background to really solve that problem. And that's actually something that got me really excited about working on this was that I was thinking about as a potential entrepreneur, you know, what kinds of problems do I really want to dedicate my time and my life to? And I felt that hey, beauty is a category where, you know, it is very like female dominated. It's not 100% women, but it is female dominated. And when I thought about my peers who are raising a lot of like VC dollars and a lot of VC funding, they wouldn't really have an intuitive understanding of a category like beauty. So I said, okay, I ha- me and my co-founders, we have a really unique perspective and almost we're seeing an opportunity that I think a lot of other people aren't seeing. So that really, you know, motivated me as well. And in terms of how we got started, so um, we actually met as part of this startup bootcamp um, program on campus. And it's like a two-week program where you go all in on your startup idea and you prototype and you test and you talk to tons of customers. And we actually started with a completely different idea from where we've um, come to today, still trying to solve the same problem though. So we had this first idea, which was all around sampling, where we literally bought from Sephora, all of these different foundation shades. And we were selling on a little online Shopify store, 
sample kits of the foundation and shipping them to customers, which, as you can imagine, we were like in our apartment pumping out these like little samples, packaging them into boxes. I even remember one of our first customers, she was like uh, this woman in Ohio and the package arrived like completely like broken. It had exploded. It was cra- it was crazy. So it was but I mean, it was also really validating because I think we made like a hundred dollars on our first day of just like selling these products. And um, what we realized was, hey, the pain point is obviously strong enough that even though we're a no name company and we're just doing something like really random, they are still willing to pay. And that actually and showing that we were scrappy and willing to kind of go put ourselves out there and like put a real functioning business into the world from day one has really informed how we grew our business and like, hey, we're always going to start with a small prototype and start testing and get real customer feedback and get real revenue. Like that was really important to us from the get-go. And so we ended up scrapping that idea. We realized it was way too operationally intensive. It would never be profitable. And we had also started to have just tons of conversations with customers. And in almost every conversation, what we heard was that I just want to see real people who look like me when I'm shopping. And people would say, hey, you know, I go to TikTok, I go to Instagram, and I just try to like search for someone who is my shade. And I like follow influencers who look like me. And that was the big aha moment for us was that what if we could bring that whole experience to the brand's own website and make it a part of the shopping journey and really make it like embedded in that journey. And so that's what we do today. We are a platform where we work with directly with brands and retailers. So we're a B2B SaaS business and we help them to integrate authentic video reviews from a diverse community of people directly into their site. And this makes it just really easy for the consumer to figure out, you know, how this product would look on someone like them when they're purchasing. Like you may have heard of the color theory with lipsticks, like the same lipstick shade can look totally different on people of different skin tones. And so we really enable that experience of seeing five different people of different skin tones trying the product. So I'm really proud of the journey that we came on. I mean, it's been almost three years now since we started the business and We've taken so many different pivots along the way, but we've always stayed really true to that core kind of problem and mission that we wanted to to solve. And you should be very, very proud of of yourself and your co-founders. What I love about this story is this this feels like true scrappy entrepreneurship. You know, you're trying to pull together an MVP, minimal viable product. You're setting up shop in your apartment, shipping stuff all over the country, right? Trying yeah. like customer feedback, making a little bit of money initially, but then leverage that customer feedback to completely pivot over time. Obviously, I think it was very smart to tap into current trends as well with like short form video just becoming the thing over the course of the pandemic, right? And people being being used to consuming content in that that way. So I absolutely, absolutely love that. I, I tested it out actually on on one of the websites. I was just watching some of those videos. And you know, it's really you could watch these videos and it feels like as if that that could be one of your girlfriends you know, recording a quick exactly. review and sending it over to you over or a text message, for example, just to see like, oh, what do you think? Like, is this does this match my complexion well or not? So it definitely makes for a more authentic shopping experience that doesn't only benefit the person who is looking to find a product that meets their needs, but also it ultimately benefits 
the seller as well, the, the beauty brands, because yeah. I'm assuming the conversion rates are so much higher once yep. you integrate with them. Could you talk a little bit more about those numbers? Yeah, absolutely. And you have it, you hit the nail on the head because we really kind of came to learn more about the brand's perspective and their challenges. And, you know, Nicole has worked on the brand side, so she really knew that, hey, e-commerce conversion is a huge challenge, especially over um, the past couple of years. The costs of customer acquisition have gone up so much in terms of the cost of advertising. And so every brand is looking for like, how can I actually keep customers on my site once they come there? Because people are so distracted, right? They are on TikTok, they are on Instagram, you know, it's so easy to like just keep on scrolling. And so when we talk to brands, you know, there's a couple of things we talk about. One is, hey, you can help customers just stay more engaged in your website, but also you can really put forth your values, right? If you are really trying to reach a diverse customer, um, a lot of our partners are trying to do exactly that. The brand founder might not be the right representative. You can only represent who you are. And so being able to leverage a very diverse like community to speak to so many different customers is so powerful from a brand's perspective. And I think every brand now knows that like diversity is just a, is, it's table stakes, right? We can't be like launching beauty products that aren't for a wide shade range. And so we really help brands to help who have put in a lot of effort to make their products inclusive to actually showcase that and just an authentic, honest way. I, I, I love that. Yeah, I, I think I, I read about that. That's the Fenty effect. When Rihanna with her company Fenty was literally like the first beauty brand that that offered foundations that were more than just you know two three four five shades i don't remember how many it was exactly but like probably around 32 to 50 different shades which which is incredible and to your point yeah like companies who don't fully embrace that not just because of the money because but because they actually genuinely believe in the power of diversity and the power of catering to a variety of different customers, those are the only ones who are going to gonna end up winning the game. And I think exactly. the trend that we've observed in recent years is consumers want to be able to build a more genuine and authentic connection with the brands that they're passionate about, right? right. So providing them with an opportunity to create that user-generated content, I think it, it just makes so much sense. And honestly, um, surprised that, you know, that wasn't a thing already in, yeah. in the past. But again, I think you're tapping into a lot of different trends all at once. And you were the first ones to to actually like go to market with with that. Yeah, I think a lot of, you know, entrepreneurship, it's kind of like catching lightning in a bottle. You know, there's a component of luck and then there's a component of effort. But I think there's an element of just putting yourself in the right place to see those opportunities, right? Like we started with, you know, other solutions, but then we saw that this trend was going on and that like this confluence of factors. Then when you come to that idea that is, we, we hear this a lot, like, I can't believe that hasn't been done before. Mm -hmm. um, it's just an indication that we're in the right moment, right? And I think some of it is trying to catch that wave and catch that moment. And um, now we're at a place where it's like, hey, this is inevitable. Like, this is where the market's going. Like, it's absolutely going to be a more social um, and authentic and video first shopping experience. And now it's a matter of who's going to help uh, make that wave happen. And we want to obviously be the ones who are really leading the charge there and um, helping brands to actually think through that. And also obviously like helping the, the consumer in their shopping journey and just changing it from the way that it used to be. 
Absolutely. And in order to continue to make progress and to further scale and ensure that every major brand is incorporating your technology onto their e-commerce platforms, you need money. So let's let's talk a little bit about that because obviously raising venture capital funding is hard. Raising VC funding as women is even harder. And then raising VC funding as women of color is probably hardest with only 0.2% of VC dollars going to founding teams consisting of women of color. I mean, we all know these numbers. Uh, They're absolutely horrific. Luckily, there's three of you. So it's not just you who's trying to make it work, right? Um, So curious to hear from you. How did you divide and conquer by leaning into your respective strengths? We're already talking a little little bit about the different backgrounds that the three of you were bringing to the table. You have the beauty side of things. You have the technology side of things. You have more corporate America from a consulting perspective. So obviously, breadth of knowledge, big networks, obviously, Going to Harvard for business school probably also helped a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely, uh, definitely. Together on on ideation and brainstorming with a bunch of very very bright and and accomplished people. Like walk walk me through how all of that worked. Yeah, and you know we are so fortunate and very privileged in the position that we're in. And like you said, those numbers are horrific. And I think you know we we just always acknowledge kind of the position that we're in having been able to even go to Harvard and like how would someone who didn't have like that pedigree be able to even make a dent so just wanted to acknowledge that because it's something that we we often talk about right and it's it's sad that we're in 2023 and it's still the situation and you know it's very deep rooted right we need more women investors we need more LPs who are like advocating for this I'm really proud of what we were able to get done we raised over two million dollars from mostly tech and b2b SaaS investors. And this was not only difficult because being an all-women founding team and the and all women of color, the stakes are kind of against you, but also because we were building a business in the beauty industry, right? Which is again very female dominated. So, you know, there is a challenge like of getting people who don't have that innate familiarity as a customer to understand like why is shade matching for foundation so difficult? Okay, first of all, what is foundation even? Like we really needed to start from the basics to, and really learn how to storytell. Mm. So that was a big part of, I know you were asking about our respective strengths that we were able to really bring together. So for example, Nicole coming from a marketing background, she is so good at storytelling and like bringing together that vision and just making it um, understandable by different audiences in a very succinct way. So she really brought that kind of to the table. Sylvan, having been a management consultant, they are slide deck whizzes for sure. And so just bringing that vision now into a visual presentation into our pitch deck, that would be very, again, simple, easy to understand by an audience. And it's very different when we're selling to a customer, selling to a brand than it is selling to an investor who needs to first understand the market and the space. And so really bringing in all of that kind of information into our story. And then for myself, I think I had a lot of experience from Google kind of pitching internally to executives, having to be on the spot answer questions. And so I really took on the role of actually pitching and being in front of investors and doing that process. And of course, we were doing all of this while we were still in school. So we were running to these investor meetings in between our classes. So there was a lot of like time balancing. The nice thing, though, about being in school was that we were able to leverage our professors and 
advisors through our MBA um, network quite a bit. Even just things as simple as finding a classmate who had worked in venture capital before who could give us feedback on our pitch deck. And like you said, each of us had kind of different networks even within our MBA um, community. So we were able to get a lot of help on that, get introductions to potential investors. I think we spoke to probably over 70 funds throughout the process. And so vast majority of those luckily were warm introductions, which was absolutely critical to get into the door. But I think, you know, the biggest thing for me actually of having three founders when you're going through a fundraising process is simply it is a hard process, both from like a time, energy and emotional perspective. You have to get pretty used to hearing no over and over again. So I think having your co-founders who can really help lift you up in a moment where you might be having some self-doubt or you might you know, you might be feeling the downs. I think that is where we've really been able to balance each other out and support each other. And that has not only been in fundraising, but also in sales or in, you know, other areas. I I don't know how people do it alone. I think the solo founders are really amazing out there, but having co-founders has been, I just can't imagine doing it without them. So yeah, that's how we were all able to kind of work together towards the fundraising process too. Wonderful story. And I really appreciate you pointing out initially, you know, how privileged you are to be part of a very privileged community of Harvard alumni and being able to tap into those networks. I mean, don't get me wrong, you all have worked really, really hard to be admitted to Harvard Business School in the first place, right? But I do think, you know, as someone speaking from personal experience, having gone to Duke and now working for one of the biggest tech companies in the world, right? Like I'll be able to to benefit from knowing those types of people basically for the rest of my life so yeah, absolutely. and not everyone has those opportunities and there yeah. there's people who you know you said you talked to probably 70 funds and it still took 70 funds even though you had warm introductions like i recently listened to a podcast where someone was sharing that they had pitched to over a thousand vcs and they yeah. still kept going obviously each founder story is different, but nevertheless, you know, you persevered, you know, you made it work despite being full-time students. I think that's also a huge accomplishment. So, so props to you for, for that. Yes, it's thank incredible. you. Yeah. And I think I also, you know, I learned a lot in that process. And one of the things I learned that I think is relevant to share is just that a lot of it is finding the right fit when it comes to investors. So, you know, you hear that you talk to a lot of people and that sounds extremely daunting, but just Remembering that I I think I had to shift my mindset too. I'm giving the opportunity to someone to have a share in this business, which I think is going to be enormous. So they're getting also the privilege of being a part of that journey. And so it's not just like, oh, we're asking someone for money. It's we're giving them that opportunity. And so I think realizing that there are going to be people who are believers and really understand what you're doing. And maybe they've invested in similar spaces before or you know, they have operated in that space before. And those ended up being the people who actually got it from the beginning, like our lead investors. When I tell you our first meeting with them was unlike so many of the other meetings we had before because they innately understood our space. And so I would just encourage any entrepreneur out there who is going through that process, like when you hear a no, it hurts. But at the same time, just know that it probably wasn't a fit. I've learned that you don't want to force someone's hand Because at the end of the day, the investor is going to be a part of your team. And so 
when they are, you know, truly a believer and are just like you as a founder, they will be more helpful to you in actually moving your business forward over that period of time. So just want to encourage people out there because I know it can be quite tough as you're trying to just figure out how am I going to fund this business and how am I going to um, keep going with my, my startup. And I think that last point that you just made is so critical, right? Like, yes, you're still asking people for money, a lot of money, but at the end of the day, it's a mutual interviewing process, right? You want exactly. to be able to have a VC who might up taking a future, you know, board seat. Uh, you want someone who not only believes in you, but has a certain level of understanding and expertise in that area of business and a pre-established network that you can tap into so you can grow and scale your business faster. So I think that's super important to point out yeah, as well. Definitely. Cool. Let's pivot a little bit. As was evident from the introduction, obviously your achievements are remarkable. Forbes 30 under 30, Inc's Female Founders 200, Hell's Future of Beauty, uh, entrepreneurs' career pivot of the year, truly outstanding. If there's something that I've learned through my own journey through the ranks of corporate America, it's really that we as women have to become our own strongest supporter and truly master the art of self-promotion to capture those opportunities because unfortunately, our work just doesn't always get the recognition that it deserves on its own. And you were talking earlier about, you know, the, the craft of storytelling and becoming comfortable pitching. You know, both you and your co-founders have different sets of experiences there. Could you share with me how you develop the mindset and the skills to place yourself and your company in such a strategic position to get recognized on these esteemed lists? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a really great question because, you know, growing up, I was always taught that, hey, you just need to work really hard and then your work will be recognized. And simply that's that's not the case, right? You need to work hard and you need to advocate for yourself in order for it to be recognized. And I think especially being a founder before this, I think those type of opportunities seemed so inaccessible. How would you ever, you know, get onto Forbes 30 under 30 without completely like, you know, changing the world. And I think I learned that, hey, we just need to throw our hat in the ring. That was the biggest kind of mindset change that we had to have. And I'll tell you a story of kind of when we were really early in our business, we were just looking for ways that we could get any sort of funding. I mean, we didn't have a product, we didn't have any customers, but we were like, hey, we need some funding to get this business off of the ground. And we actually, you know, realized that there were a ton of these grants out there that were especially focused on women and underrepresented entrepreneurs. And so we just started making a list. We had 50 to 100 grants that we just applied to. Like we were applying in mass to these grants. And I think it was partially just out of necessity that we had to change our mindset. But like, okay, you know, I don't know if we're going to have any shot at getting this, but we are just going to throw our hat in the ring. And I remember the first big grant that we won was this Unilever Prestige and WWD, which is Women's Wear Daily grant. And we were so shocked when we had won it because we never could have imagined that at the stage that we were at that, you know, we would be winning a grant from one of the two of the biggest players within the retail and beauty and fashion spaces. And so that just proved to us that we can do it and that we do have a story that is worth telling. And that one award alone really propelled our business, actually continues to propel us um, to this day and has um, allowed us to open a lot more doors and just get in front of 
people that we wouldn't have had access to otherwise. And I just think about what if we were too scared, right? What if we had said, hey, we don't think we're there yet. We don't have a real business yet. If we had let that mindset hold us back, we would absolutely not be where we are at today. So I think just really getting into that mindset of it really never hurts to try. And if you saw that spreadsheet, you would see that there were like 90 that we didn't win. And and then what you see on the outside is that one, all the like wins and recognitions. We still take that same approach to this day. And we do really believe that we have a powerful story. And so we try to seek those opportunities to tell it as well. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's super, super helpful for all the listeners out there. You never want to put yourself in a position where you are able to or are forced to ask yourself, what if? Right. Right. What if you hadn't won that Unilever grant? We might not be having this conversation today, right? Exactly. We might not have raised $2 million in seed funding. You might not have won some of these prestigious recognitions, right? Right. Um, And going back to this recurring theme from like, okay, just one opportunity, just meeting one person, just talking to one one VC, just submitting one nomination form can truly change the trajectory. And oftentimes in that very moment when you're living it, you don't even, you, you, you cannot even fathom what potential positive repercussions that could could have on on yourself and your business so so i love that and you know i think just goes to show that you know stay open-minded don't leave any stones unturned and 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 just keep going at it and to your point yeah you won some of these flashy awards but there were tons even more that you didn't end up winning right but nobody talks about that exactly Um, exactly yeah and i think it's the whole it's just it's the why not right? Like, why Why not? Why not us? When, you why know, not? it could be it's others are also getting recognized. And so, yeah, just encourage people to go for it. And you learn a lot through those opportunities as well. You know, we did a ton of pitch competitions, we got feedback. And so I think even the ones where we didn't win or we didn't get it, we still learned something that helped us grow the business or even got in front of certain people who then had visibility. There's judges on these panels who then see what you're doing. So there's a lot of second order effects that you don't really realize when you're when you're focused on kind of getting just the win. Absolutely. John B, if I were to interview you again in 10 years from now, what kind of impact do you aspire to have had on women by then? And how do you see yourself paying it forward to future female founders in the decades to come? Oh my gosh. I absolutely love this question. And it's something I think about, you know, often, especially as a founder, when you make it your life mission to to do something. And so I think I think about it in two different ways. One is from the context of the impact that I hope that Hugh and our business has, you know, on the world, on women, and then also as kind of a founder and how I want to empower other founders. And I think, you know, from a business perspective, I talked about our mission around empowering everyone to just really feel represented in that shopping experience. And I really think we can help and, you know, it's happening, but it's not quite there yet. Like, I think we can help to transform that definition of what beautiful really is. And I think the industry still has a ways to go. And I just love that we could be a part of that and really kind of drive that forward from an in- industry perspective, like really celebrating every person's individuality. So that's where I hope, you know, our impact and legacy can be as a business. 
I think from a personal perspective, I have always been so inspired by so many female entrepreneurs, whether it's like Jennifer Hyman and Jenny Fleiss from Rent the Runway, Melanie Perkins from, you know, Canva, like all of these women who have, you know, built their amazing businesses, like we we look up to them. And so I hope that in 10 years time, there's so many that we are just one of many of them. But, you know, we really aspire to be kind of another example of that, being able to kind of grow a big business from from the ground up. And I think what I'm really looking forward to, I don't know if it'll be in 10 years time or in 20 years, is really that giving back. So I do you know, strongly believe that the way to move the needle is through moving more dollars into those women run and underrepresented you know, run businesses. And so I hope that we have you know, an amazing success with you and that I'm able to you know, invest in other women's businesses, be you know, advisor. I think there's a lot that you learn by being on the inside. And a lot of people who come from backgrounds that are less privileged don't have those tools, right? They don't know what that inside knowledge is of like how to make your you know pitch or how do you actually get into that room and so i think just being that person who could help open those doors for other entrepreneurs like that's what i would hope to spend my time on um in the future opening doors for other women oh beautiful beautifully said i've discovered over time and my purpose in life is really being a hype woman for other women it's the like, that. greatest thing ever once i actually was able to put language around it because oftentimes it starts as a feeling right and you just don't really know how to create language around it but then I was able to I was like yes this is amazing this is what I want to do with my life that's how I want to make a living still working on figuring out the details but you know we're, we've made lots of progress I love that for for all of us and every single woman that is working on on helping other women advance in whatever context or or business or or job function that might be i think it's so so important and you can start out really small and then then scale your impact over time and ultimately touch the lives of thousands if not hundreds of thousands or even millions of people yeah definitely and i think for us or for me at least we have a lot of role models in our own angel investors and advisors who are a lot of just women executives who have made it now their mission to give back and so for example, we have Dawn Dobris. She's the former CEO at Credo Beauty, and she really like opened a lot of doors for us. And so I see others doing that, and I'm like, I want to be like her when, when we, you know, grow and have like a successful exit and everything. So yeah, that's that's definitely the case. Wow, so rewarding. I love it. Final question for you today, because I don't only like to always start out with the same question, but I also like to close with the same question for each of my guests. What's a financial milestone you have achieved that you are most proud of? Yes. You know, fundraising would be an easy answer, but I will be honest with you. I think fundraising is a means to an end with your business. You know, really what it is all about at the end of the day is growing a really successful, profitable business. And so to that end, I would say the financial milestone that I'm the most proud of is that we were actually able to 5x our revenue over the past about six months, growing from just having two brand partners to now we have over 15. And that took just an immense amount of hustle. And I am so proud of that achievement for our whole team. And I am just really excited to see what that trajectory will look like now going forward. Amazing. The sky is the limit. 
John V, thank you so, so much for joining me today. This was a pleasure. You are such a badass. Oh. I really, really appreciate all the work that you and your co-founders are doing to make the world of e-commerce, beauty, fashion more inclusive. And I'm having all of my fingers crossed for you that you'll you'll be able to further scale your impact and either be acquired for a gazillion dollars or IPO at some point in the future. But I think the world is your oyster and just keep doing what you've been doing. It has a huge, huge value. And thank you for taking the time to have this wonderful conversation with me today. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. And I love what you're doing with this podcast. So appreciate you having me. Thank you. Hey there, not so fast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you've listened in from today. Reviews are a podcaster's most important currency. It helps me create visibility for the incredible women who join me on this show. And if you've made it this far, I'd like to believe that supporting women is one of your favorite pastimes. If you already left a review, first of all, thank you, but why not share this episode with a friend or post it to your Instagram story? Thank you for helping me on my mission to make women rich by making women rich.